Oh, hey there. Did you know that in July, RedRiverHorror.com turns five years old? Well, isn't that exciting? It sure is. But hey, welcome to episode number 81 of the Red River Horror Podcast. We've got some fun things lined up this week. We got some horror stories, some horror news, and some trailers for you. So remember to sit back, relax, and enjoy the Red River Horror Podcast. Okay, here we are. Episode number 81 of the Red River Hard. Ooh, Red River Horror Podcast. <laughs> We're getting a little there. tongue-tied. Hey, yes. I'm your host, Joe Zakreski, joined by RedRiverHorror.com founder, Eddie Kayazo. Hi, Ed. How are you? Joe, I'm doing great, man. We are uh, we are in the thick of it. We have so much horror around us at all times now. It's getting crazy out there. Yeah, it's crazy to think about it, uh, how, how awesome the summer is for horror movies and horror things in general. Because, uh, you know, you always associate it with um, <laughs> Halloween <laughs> and the right. fall. But the truth is a lot of great stuff is always, always comes out in the summer. Um, so we got some trailers that we're going to look at. We got some stories that we're going to go over. And then we got to talk some, some general things. So we got we got some fun things lined up for episode 81 here. Yeah, I like this. You and I, you know, we've been, uh, we've been at this for a little while now, the podcast. And yeah. we get notes from people, from people that listen, from our sponsor, Steve. From the people we love, from, you know, yeah. anyone. And, you know, so one of the things we were talking about for a little while is kind of reining in and segmenting this show. So I'm really excited moving forward. We're going to have like a format that we'll, we'll kind of follow. Not, you know, not a predictable format, but just a, hey, here's the news. Hey, here's the trailer we're going to watch. Hey, yeah. here's this. And this might be the last episode of just the two of us for a while because we're going to be ramping up guests. Is, it uh, might be. It might be. So, hey. Yeah. <laughs> so those damn yeah, people been, been in talks with some things so we got some you know lots of good stuff i'm excited yeah so the month of july you uh teased it already month of july will be five years for redriverhorror.com congrats thank you yay um so i'm hoping stacy will join us once on the podcast to uh talk about yeah some of the things she's written over the past few years we had a thing about shark movies which we mentioned in one of the previous episodes yep. uh we thought Candyman was the OG social commentary horror movie. We were on top of Candyman way before it was cool, or yep. they decided to do another one. Uh, so there was a lot of great stories, a lot of uh, movie reviews. There's only one movie review on RedRiverHorror.com that carries a five boat rating. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping Stacy will come on to uh, discuss some of some of her work with the site over the past five years. Yeah, and make sure you can go on and check out her latest review for Abandoned. Ooh. So abandoned, yes, pretty pretty cool. If you like the haunted house mm -hmm. type flicks, um, yeah, then she's got a review for it. So if you want to get a little taste, uh, her reviews are general, you know, usually spoiler free and mm -hmm. uh, a good read. Yep. So I mean, so. She, she knows what she's doing. I mean, she's one of one of the best out there. Boom. So take that. <laughs> so moving on into the show we're going to begin with let's let's start with a little let's get the juices flowing with a little you want to start with a little scary story yeah let's start with a so th this is something you were i can't tell you how many notes i got and comments from people about how much they enjoyed the two sentence horror 
Yeah. They really, really liked that. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a fun subreddit to get involved, you know, if you want to read it, write it. And then I haven't checked it out on Netflix, which I probably should. But it's like, well, I'm one of those people where it's like, if I already like something and then it's in a different type of media, I'm kind of reluctant because it's like, I already like this. I don't want to do something where it's like, I'm not going to like it. You never know. That people really, I, I was surprised. I didn't know. And I guess it kind of bled through because I really liked the two sentence hard. Yeah. There's, there's so much out there that I'm not aware of. There's so many, uh, I don't even want to say, call it content creation, but people are doing so many interesting things in the horror space. And I, I, I don't Absolutely. even know about all of it. So it's exciting. Absolutely. So you want to get started with a story. Yes. I figured so. So we have the reddits, which we will check frequently, Joe. We have the creepy pastas, which we can get into. But I felt like we would go back to something that you may not be aware of, but something familiar. Okay. Yeah. Amityville. Ooh. Yeah. So these uh, so <laughs> big Ed's going to love this. So not only do we have the basement, which we watched so many great horror movies that he introduced us to. Yep. We're going to be doing that over the summer because hot as hell out and it's cool in the basement yep uh he used to buy these like thrift type books i don't know if that's what they're called but they're these miniature books you may have seen them in the lines at your local supermarket years and years ago um i somehow remember the remember woolworth oh yeah (laughs) i i feel like maybe one of these came from there but they were just little 89 cent books and this one in particular, which we'll read some stories throughout the year from, is called Haunted Places. Ooh. So this first stories part of the new Red River Horror podcast, as we come up on five years, I figured I'd just read from one of these books because maybe out there you haven't heard this one yet. Yeah. All right. So this is from a, one of those small miniature books, Globe Mini Mag, <laughs> right? Uh, there, It's called Haunted Places. This story, Amityville Hoax or Horror. All right. Can a ghost make someone kill? The murderous blood spree of Ronald DeFeo, the spoiled teenage son of an Amityville, New York car dealer who wiped out six members of his family in an orgy of violence, has been blamed on some demonic force. And if subsequent claims of a young couple who moved into the murder house a short time later are to be believed, even the terrible destruction of the DeFeo family wasn't enough to satisfy the malevolent spirit's lust for evil. The eerie haunting in Amityville, a normally quiet residential enclave on Long Island's South Shore, has become one of the nation's best-known real-life ghost stories. The dreadful carnage that prefaced the story occurred when the hapless DeFeos, their two young sons, and two daughters were slaughtered in their home, in their comfortable three-story Dutch colonial home by a member of their own family gone berserk on that terrible night in November 1974. Young DeFeo blamed the massacre on the malignant influence of an evil spirit or demonic force in the house and pleaded insanity at his trial. The prosecutor countered with claims that the greedy 24-year-old was instead motivated by his parents' life insurance money. You heard this one yet? No. Neither. The jury chose to believe the prosecutor, and Ronald was found guilty of six counts of second-degree murder. He was sent to prison for life. That tragedy in Amityville was appalling enough, but horrendous aftershocks began when a young couple, George and Kathy Lutz, bought the house on Ocean Avenue for $80,000, 
On December 18, 1975, they moved in with Kathy's three children from a previous marriage and found something hideous and unseen. Almost from the first moment they stepped inside the house, the Lutzes would insist they noticed that what seemed to be an unearthly presence. They began to hear mysterious noises they couldn't account for, strange rapping sounds and eerie thumps, locked doors and windows mysteriously swung open by themselves as if by ghostly hands. George Lutz, a former Marine, said he was plagued by the sounds of a phantom brass band reverberating through the home. When a Catholic priest entered the house after agreeing to exorcise it, a hoarse, disembodied voice angrily ordered him to get out. This, you know, you see in the movie. Mm-hmm. If anything, the abortive exorcism seemed to infuriate the spirit or spirits, and the devilish hectoring of the Lutz family intensified. Kathy Lutz reported that she was beaten by unseen hands. One night, she found herself being suddenly levitated above her bed. The thumpings and scratching became louder, and a nauseating green slime oozed from ceilings. The Lutzes managed to hold out for only 28 days before gathering up their children and fleeing. They left so quickly they didn't take their future, their furniture or most of their other possessions. Ghost Hunters. Enter Ed and Lorraine Warren from Connecticut, America's most famous and industrious ghost hunters and demon chasers. Lorraine is a clairvoyant and trance medium who has shown an uncanny ability to detect and communicate with spirits. Ed is a demonologist and expert on hauntings and exorcism. The Warrens went to the house for the first time in February 1976, about a month after the Lutzes had fled. Old newspapers were still lying around, and the refrigerator was stocked with food. It was clear the Lutzes had cleared out in a hurry. They refused to return with the Warrens, but did loan them a key. The Warrens went to the house with two mediums, Alberta Riley and Mary Pascarella, to conduct a seance. They later confirmed they had felt an unearthly presence in the house. Ed said the experienced heart palp- Ed said he experienced heart palpitations, which he blamed on occult forces. But he said there was no ghost. Instead, the house had been troubled by what he describes as inhuman spirits. The Warrens also reported that their investigation turned up evidence that the ground the house was built on was reputed to be haunted by Indians who had inhabited the area long before. No matter the origin or nature of the ghoulish force that pervaded the unlucky house, the Lutzes had enough of living there. They were demon they weren't demonologists or experienced in identifying or sorting out various forms of supernatural beings, but they made it plain that they believed they had undergone a terrifying ordeal they would never forget. They made sure the others would learn about what they insisted was a grotesque and chilling experience. They teamed up with writer Jay Anson to author a bestseller book. The Amityville Horror. The success of the book sparked a movie by the same name and a sequel, Amityville 2, The Possession. Mm -hmm. The original, which Hollywood biggies called a prequel, was was admittedly fiction. The Warrens were hired by producer Dino De Laurentiis. He did Halloween 2, one of the uh, uh, producers as consultants for Amityville 2 and helped the movie makers keep their depictions of supernatural occurrences authentic. 
Demonologist team also made the talk show and newspaper interview circuit for the film's producers. But the new owners of the house who moved in after the Lutzes departed quickly served notice they weren't ready to admit that the book and the original movie were based on true occurrences. Publishers sued. They hadn't experienced any supernatural hijinks since moving in. And they sued the book's publishers, Prentice Hall, which produced the hardcover, and Bantam Books, which printed the hard, uh, paperback, as well as Anson and the Lutzes, claiming the Amityville horror story was a put-on, and that as new occupants of the house, it had blighted their lives. The suit was reportedly settled, with an award to the new occupants for an undisclosed amount. However, the legal jockeying didn't stop what had developed into the biggest controversy ever to hit Amityville. A columnist from an area newspaper who was also a neighbor of the occupants of the house on Ocean Avenue claimed, claimed the whole affair was a hoax, charged that the Lutzes had returned the day after fleeing home to hold a garage sale. Interesting. He also charged that during the reputed 28-day nightmare, they had never once called on police for help. He said he knew this because his father was the Amityville police chief. The Warrens, however, re resolutely supported the Lutz's contention that the house was haunted or possessed by some form of dark, darkling creature. Ooh. Movie executives expressed an interest in buying the house but dropped their efforts when Amityville Village officials wouldn't allow them to use it for filming. Most of the government leaders didn't appreciate their town being singled out as the site of the Amityville horror, whether or not the loathsome supernatural attack on the Lutz's actually occurred. Nevertheless, for years, the handsome Dutch colonial home on Ocean Avenue continued to be the first place many tourists headed for when they were in the area. The sightseers are contemptuously referred to by locals as a Midiville Horribles, AHs. <laughs> Trouble with the tourists and complaints of neighbors, in fact, was blamed by the news columnist for driving his father into retirement from the police department. Wow. So, you know, it's amazing that little 89 cent piece booklet mm -hmm. with that story of there, which is fascinating because I didn't really know the aftermath uh -huh. of the Amityville horror other than the explosion of, uh, you know, a rebirth of haunted house genre. Sure. Um, and then like that mentioning in there, Ed and Lorraine Warren <laughs> being part of like the original investigation. It's like and now they're a franchise in themselves. The Conjuring. <laughs> right. So that was printed in 1993. Yeah. That so story. Well and, before The Conjuring and before yeah. Ed and Lorraine Warren became, you know, actually characters in yeah. their own franchise. So that's why I want to rely they on show these. the pictures of them and like, oh, it's all based on a true story. And it's like, well, here's, you know, if you didn't know Amityville Horror, they were also, you know, behind the true story of that because they're not in the movie. Correct. And they're not in the remake either. Mm-mm. So the remake kind of cuts out the investigation side of it and makes the dad more of the uh, crazy guy. Yeah. Yeah. But one thing that they, that maintained that everybody, I think the Ed and Lorraine Warren, the original film and the remake film, I think one thing that it maintains was a, was a priest was called into that house Yeah. to exercise it and did hear that get out and yeah. got the hell out of there. That's one thing. So I so I don't know. It's what do you what do you think? Do you think do you think it's a healthy balance of both? Do you think it's a hoax or do you think that something really is messed up with that house? There's one of those things that's just deep down inside of me. It's like I want things like that to be real mm -hmm. because it's just the thrill behind it. Yeah. Um, but it's really 
really hard to tell, like, is it a case of a homeowner of buyer's regret, like their buyer's remorse and trying to find a way out of it. But then why would they go that far to bring in like people who like, why would you be like, Oh, these people are paranormal investigators. Right. And then bringing in someone for a seance and all that. It's like something clearly is up. Mm-hmm. Whether is it supernatural? Is it, or is it, you know, it's an old house and it's shifting. It's making weird noises. What could it, you know, I could see this plays to both sides of your like personality and curiosity. I like this because there is like you, you just admitted like it's, you want something like that to be real, but you're also a skeptic. Very much so. (laughs) So I guess my next question would be hearing that story after all these years and all the things you know about Amityville, Amityville, whatever it's called. Does that make you want to visit? the house in question so i would love to Mm -hmm. the problem is that's also laid out in that story is like and this is in the 90s so it probably got worse maybe it's not as bad now in 2022 okay of you know the people who are the tourists coming just to see it (laughs) right because i can't imagine that street's like built to have people pulling up and stopping sure um i don't even know if the house is still standing or if it's occupied or I, I think it would be. Yeah. yeah. So one of those things where it's like, yeah, I would love to, but it, I'm, I, <laughs> I'm one of those people. I get so, I feel so guilty about doing, <laughs> doing these things yes. where it's like, I don't want to intrude on like, you know, there's, there's, there's families. <laughs> right. Hey, I'm Joe from Red yeah. River Heart. I, I'm so sorry. I just want to see it. <laughs> I am curious to see if that has those windows, because that's another thing that's been maintained. If you look at yeah. all the, and again, this is all Hollywood does wonders, right? We we wouldn't we wouldn't be talking about movies the way we do without Hollywood. It's just you know we love it, but it does wonders. So I always think of those windows, those like triangle type things, as like eyes, yeah, and, the eyes of the house. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's it's cr- like there's an aesthetic and there's a visual there that I have to see because if I were, I guess if I were a fan of the story, I would probably buy that house <laughs> or try to. You would go that far and just make it whatever everybody thinks it is. Uh, aside, well, no, maybe not because there was a tragedy. So yeah, no, maybe not. Yeah. I don't. Well, it's like the room uh, fourteen oh eight at the um, Sterling Hotel. I mean, that's booked for five years out. <laughs> right. You know, there's like tourist attractions for horror. I mean, they get booked. Yeah, for a long time. Like it's that's a hot ticket. Like if you wanted it now, especially in like October, yes. you're you're on like a five year wait list. Okay, like that's nuts. Well, that makes sense then. Yeah, but anyway, actually, actually this kind of feeds into. Um, the question I pulled up on Dreadit, mm-hmm. which is the nickname for R, horror. Yes. Uh, interesting, like, because now we're talking like, so there is Amityville mm-hmm. and The Conjuring is basically the same movie, but with the Warrens and then throwing in the Annabelle, right? Right. Yeah. Just kind of creating yeah. the fiction around so, the stories that exist. Bringing, bringing them all together. Mm-hmm. So... The question on Dreddit was best spiritual sequel duo. So the idea is the question is, so for fun, what two films do you think tie together well that are not officially related? More so like spiritual successors like Amityville Horror 
and the conjuring so that's why this hmm. hit me i was like oh so their examples are for example halloween and it follows which yeah i don't know or Scream and Black Christmas. It's actually the other way around, Black Christmas and Scream. <laughs> right. <laughs> or better yet, does anyone have a good one for The Thing? So what two unrelated films work whether as spiritual sequels? Give me your best. So I would say Amityville Horror and The Conjuring should be brought into that that conversation. Okay. Actually, you know what? I'm going to type it in there right now. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah. On, the, uh, on the old Reddit. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I can't see... Other than the style of It Follows and like kind of what they were going for, I don't know how that ties into Halloween other than some inspiration, some definite John Carpenter inspiration mm-hmm. in the film It Follows, uh, both in the music and the tone, kind of like the long shots and everything like that. So I'm trying to think, what would be a spiritual successor? Like something that... Um Honestly, you could go with, I mean, Halloween and Friday the 13th. Yeah, I guess you could. You know, but they've become like they're so big in their own franchises that does that really count? Hmm. Um, Like what? It's that's it's it's an interesting question. I'm I'm curious why their example was it follows and Halloween, which I kind of get because Michael Myers is slowly stalking you, sure, at all times. Actually, I never really thought about it follows like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's very Michael Myers of the the approach. Sure, of where it's just you know stalking. But hmm, let's see what other people got. Because yeah, I think that's what like sparked me right away. I'm just like, ooh, Amityville and The Conjuring. I kind of it kind of matched while you were reading the story. I'm like, how about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so but there was like some other answers on here. Where it's like. Uh, actually, someone put it up here. The thing itself is the spiritual reamquel to invasion of the body snatchers. I guess people can dig. You know, there's some interesting digs in there. So I'll, I'm gonna have to spend where, some time with that. Where, where it's I think the thing where the where the question is missing is where do you draw that line of spiritual successor, or is it you know? So like Halloween and it follows. That's you know. 40 plus years. What was it? It follows was 2014. Yeah. And 78. 78, So. So 30 something years. Okay. Uh, Which is fine. It's long. That's, that's (laughs) long enough. But like when I said Halloween and Friday the 13th, that's five years. Yeah. Four years. So, you know, probably need a little more, a little more space. A little more space. Very Um, interesting. I, yeah, there was, there's got to be a story, even though Lois Duncan's story for I Know What You Did Last Summer, mm-hmm. it, it's somewhat, so Kevin Williamson wrote that based off of that story, but I know it's not that to a T. Right. Where they, you know, kill somebody, then cover it up. Um, I wonder if, th- there's got to be something, like, I Know What You Did Last Summer has to be a spiritual successor to something. There's got to be another, like, packed movie where... They yeah, and I think it's it gets dinged because of that, like so close to scream. Yeah, um, but there has to be something older mm-hmm. that does that same thing. The only <laughs> is it yeah, like what the heck? I could say that I I could see that, but again, Kevin Williamson wrote Scream. Yeah, and the Fisherman really 
is more of like a slasher as far as he's dressed up in the yeah. slicker. He holds the hook. It's got. It's kind of like he's got a thing. Yeah. Whereas Scream, it's not really like they have a thing. It's they well, he does just, the cell phone and the yeah you know the head games. Mm. Uh oh, here's one that might work. What was the one? It's um not Wrong Turn, but it came out around the same time as Wrong Turn. Uh, the killer is like a Australian guy who lives out in the bush. Um, Wolf Creek. Wolf Creek. Yes. Which is based on a true story, mm-hmm. which is, if we were saying just movie-wise, is uh, very similar to a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. All right. So that's, so it could be, Wolf Creek could be a spiritual successor to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? If that, if being based on how that question is, yeah, I mean, it's the same idea, but everybody's got that, that fear of, you know, stopping in the middle of nowhere and getting... Sure. Getting, you know, everyone's getting murdered. Especially the the uh, rural places that you wouldn't necessarily. Yeah. I, I don't mean, know. Yeah. <laughs> Might have to look a little more into those, like, you know, outback yeah. horror because it's definitely there. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to think about that one more. There's there are definitely patterns and connections and yeah uh, inspirations. Like I can I can tie a lot of these together. I just can't right now. Yeah, it's all they're all themes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just how does this theme? You know, what's the the theme to this one? Are we doing the haunted house? Are we doing the middle of nowhere? Are we doing the <laughs> you know straight up slasher? Well, yeah. Yeah, that's what that's the thing we crave is like oh what's going to be that thing that really changes things up um which is probably why i love movies like sinister so much and why i love the stranger so much even though like the strangers is uh it's a slasher but there's no motivation right and that's what i love about it so much no the strain honestly in that order the strangers that was mid to late 2000s was that like 08 or something like that uh strangers either like 09 or 11 that was creepy. Yeah. Sinister was 2012. That was creepy. Yeah. Again, just two things that are different. Um, there's a bit of a supernatural element to Sinister. Yeah. So Sinister mixed in the supernatural element, the haunting, like, you know, di- mixed in the haunting, found footage. Yeah. I, I think it did it really well. I know some people who don't like it, I understand why they don't like it, but this one was just, it just hit really well for me. Um, Ethan Hawk. Yeah. Underrated guy. Or is he properly rated? I don't know. It's like he's known, but it's like he's great in almost everything he does, but he doesn't really get credit for being great in everything sure. he does. Except for Training Day? Yeah, I mean, Training Day was just such a damn good movie. <laughs> Whereas, I like, don't know how Did his you... career like take off so high? No, maybe he's just been able to find that medium where it's just like, hey, he's a good working actor that you can call on to make a role good. Good. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. Maybe he's just found that balance of, hey, like, I'm not like Tom Cruise crazy, where I'm like a good actor, but I'm also in demand and I make a lot of money and all this stuff. Maybe he's just he's just good at what he does and he gets compensated fairly for he's it. He's just good at what he does. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he's obviously very in like, you know, into the the art aspect of it too. Mm-hmm. Which I mean most of them like almost all of them. Sure. Are. I'm you know what? Fuck that. I'm not gonna say that the rock is interested in the art of no. filmmaking. He's there. He's collecting paychecks. Sure. You know, talk about putting it. It's just like you're lifting all the time because that's your persona. Yes. And it's like, that's not really the method of acting or the art of acting or film. It's you're just, <laughs> you're, no, I haven't, you're, you yourself is the product. 
Right. I haven't seen him like like do a Christian Bale and lose like a ton of weight to play this guy. Yeah, I don't you think know. that's ever going to happen. No. He, they did the opposite where him and Mark Wahlberg put on even more muscle uh, for the movie Painting Game. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> he did the opposite. He got even bigger. No, but, for a role, th- but there are definitely pe- th- there are pe- there's Hollywood Hollywood people who yeah. who are there and they get to enjoy every every yeah. minute of the cash, the fame, and all that fun stuff. And then there are people, and yeah, and I I think it's easier now than it ever has been to, especially with social media and how sure. accessible everybody is. Th- there is that. There's the Rock. Which I like The Rock. Yeah, no, it's not. I don't. It's not that I don't like him. It's that's like you know this is he's he's fast food, whereas some of the stuff Ethan Hawke has done is gourmet meals. Yes, and I think that um, someone we used to know pretty well, um, Xander Berkeley. Yeah, he. I, I just go back to your your original interview with him. He said he's like, look, with acting, I think it's it's like he's really into his craft, obviously. So he yeah. does one for. You know, one for the art. Yeah, one for the money. One for the money. One for myself. Yes. Yeah, that's a that's kind of a rule of thumb that you see a lot of a lot of people do. Uh, you know, even someone as big as like Will Ferrell. Yeah. You know, he not as much anymore, but even when he was doing like, you know, he did Anchorman and then was in a Woody Allen movie. Yeah, he's challenged yeah. himself as an actor <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's he. You know, yeah, he's a funny guy, but he, you know, he came out of USC. You know, yeah. has a degree in theater and stuff. Like, you know, <laughs> right. he's, he's into it other so, than just being funny. So Ethan Honk, I just think, is one of those guys who maybe doesn't yeah. get the same love that these straight up A-listers get when he really goes all in on a role. Yeah. But well, he's I mean, damn good. He did. I mean, him, who else was in that? Uh, not a horror movie, but Boyhood. I mean, you know how that was made, right? Oh. Was the stretch of twenty five years? Right. So he started filming that in the nineties, and it's like that's incredible. So that's so incredible. Speaking of Ethan Hawke, I uh, that brings us great. So we're going to be doing these trailers. Not going to be doing as many as we are today, but right now you may have heard of it. Black Phone. Can't wait. This is hitting <laughs> theaters on June twenty fourth. Mm. So I don't think it's, I think it's theaters only. I don't think it's hitting a streamer. No, this is exciting, man. Um, and looks just amazing. If you've not seen the trailer for this, just, oh my God. It's a black van. Yeah. All right, so a kid gets abducted by a man in a top hat with Ethan Hawke. <laughs> so the search... 13-year-old boy abducted, wakes up in this basement. You will see. Hey. So, wearing like this demonic mask. (laughs) Hands him a paper with a... So, this kind of has a... um, What's the M. Night Shyamalan? Oh, Split. Split. Yeah, so this kid's captive. He's He was abducted by a dude in a black van. And there's just a black phone and a mattress. Hawk gives a transformative, blood-curdling, captivating performance unlike anything we've ever seen. That's the Daily Dead. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. This looks creepy and weird. So it's like, there's clips in this where you're getting like it vibes. You're getting sinister, sinister vibes. vibes. You're getting uh, split vibes. Whoa. Possessed kid there. The exorcist vibes. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. Now, so far, it's just this one kid. I thought there would be more. No. Oh, Variety. The next nightmare inducing film is here. From Variety. The black phone, man, comes out. Yeah, theaters only. Ooh. June 24th. The, definitely, we are definitely seeing that. Yes. And we will definitely be talking about this more. It looks like the horror movie of the summer. Um,. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, Stacy will be review you will be able to find Stacy Lane Wilson's review of the black phone on redriverhorror.com because she's a real movie critic. And, yeah. Um, and I, and I, I no, because sometimes I'll, I'll challenge myself. I'll, I'll review some films and I always like have to look, you know, when real people do it. Right. Like, so, but I have some, I have some reviews up there that I've done. I think, did you ever do one for the Red River Horror? Um, yeah. And okay. it was, it was a while ago. I did the one where it was the, it was the Jason Bateman. It was the Netflix movie where it was I'm trying Little Evil, I think it was called. Oh, okay. Which was just the omen with like a couple comedic twists in there. Gotcha. It was fine. Yeah. So the black phone will be reviewed professionally mm -hmm. on redriverhard.com. Do you want to watch another trailer from this month's preview? So we had the black phone. I would say pick one. You know what? I eh, so the the one is Watcher, which I don't know if we need to do the trailer for that just because so this movie is called watcher it's about a couple that moves to romania someone's mm -hmm. watching them from across the way you know the old soviet building blocks because yeah. it is part of the older iron curtain mm -hmm. sort of kind of yeah romania's got an interesting but but it still was technically behind the iron curtain so it has like those soviet style buildings and that's what they're in blah 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 looks interesting and that's going to be that's from uh ifc movies and yeah. who are the, their partner was somebody for that and i can't remember who but that's okay uh, because I, I'm more curious about this Shutter movie. Okay, Mad God. Mad God. This is a Shutter original, so what we can see here is a moly-looking man. I don't know. He's short, stout, strong. Uh huh. He's <laughs> short, stocky, strong. I've seen him pick up a couch over <laughs> clear over his head. <laughs> well, I just what do you got? so yeah. He's like got that minor kind of look. So we'll watch Mad God. Uh, I just wanted to real quick on the on. No, it's not the Watcher. It's called Watcher. Uh, Micah Monroe from It Follows, isn't it? Yeah. So if uh, if you're a fan of hers, um, she was great and she was the main character. Yeah. Check it out if you like the stalker kind of thing. That's what it yep. looks like. Uh, and if especially if you're one of the people that gets scared from bad things happening far away from home. Yeah, I think that's always a good one too because like the only thing that I get scared of with traveling. Is something happening and being so far away from everybody. It's like there's no my safety net's not with me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. No, I mean, and then that's the thing. I think uh, back in the day, it was it was something to think about. Uh, I, I understood what Eli Roth was doing with the with Hostel. Yeah. And kind of 
you know, like the 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 horror. What is it? The body porn. What the hell is it called? So oh. like Hostel and Human Centipede. Yeah, ran that kind of theme where it's like, oh, you're over in a foreign country, and but not body porn. What's it? Fear porn. What's that? What do they say? Core porn. Got body hard. It's like whatever they categorize the Saw sequels as. Yeah, it's like kind of just going to excess with that. Was it gore porn? The scariest thing about Hostel to me, though, was that fact, like that being so far from home, not being able to do anything or go anywhere. It wasn't necessarily the nastiness that was happening inside. Even if you escaped, you have no idea where you're going. Exactly. You know, you're lost. So so I didn't mean to hijack there, but Watcher seems like it's worth watching. And now a Shudder original trailer for Mad God. Mad God. I'm curious, like, why he's in the minor outfit, or is it a fireman? Oh, we're about to find out. For this? Yeah, he's minor. So he's going down into a mine. Animation pioneer Phil Tippett? Oh, Oh, it's claymation! It's stop motion, actually. Stop motion, my bad. Yes. So he's got someone... Whoa! Yes. 30 years in the making. I'm glad we clicked on... Look at this as a trip! Stop motion, Phil. Stop motion, Art. Phil Tippett has finally unleashed his magnum opus, and this is worth the wait. This looks, this is so cool looking. (laughs) Whoa. Guillermo del Toro says Phil Tippett is a master. Mm -hmm. Phil brings humanity and empathy to every character. Is that Kathleen Kane? Yeah. A singular feat of untethered creativity. This, dude, this does look. This, you've never seen. No, I haven't. This is like, uh, whoa. And that's only on Shutter, man. Only on which Shutter. We have. Whoa, for Red River Har. Yeah, man. Mad so God. Like stop motion. Mm-hmm. That was like, if you know. Nightmare on Christmas meets Spawn meets like that was a. That was wild. And I'll just add a little color to this, all right? Yeah. This is from Nick's review uh, preview for this month, um, Red River Horror. He does the horror preview for June. Mm-hmm. If you don't know Phil Tippett's name, you certainly know his work. He led the visual effects for such classics as Star Wars and Jurassic Park. Maybe you've heard of them. His latest project, Mad God, is 30 years in the making, stop-motion dystopia filled with silent characters hoping to survive as they encounter bizarre landscapes and creatures. Every piece of Mad God is handcrafted thanks to a group of inspired animators. So I just wanted to add that little bit of color to Yeah, the, uh, I mean, that there. looks so, that looks incredible. Yeah. I mean, the amount of work that goes into that's just mind-boggling. <laughs> wow. Yep. So those are the trailers for you. We had the black phone coming out. We're going to be seeing that in theaters. Mad God, we can now, of course, stream on Shutter. Yeah. I wanted to get into some news now, Joe. Ooh. Red River Horror News. <coughs> we'll, we'll make us. <laughs> we'll make a sounder for it. Yeah. I'm get to work in the future there. But uh, l- get to work on some new audio. L- little bit of news, uh, Joe. I'll go first with the. So we last year. Last February, we spoke to Stephen Bassett. 
Yeah. He was a, I thought he was a UFO or a UAE enthusiast. No, he's an activist. Activist. As he told us. Well, so when he came on strong in that interview, uh, he had us both wondering, it's like, okay, is, is what he's saying legit? Well, it was. It just happened to happen a year later. Ready? Oh, yeah. The military's UFO database now has info info from about 400 reported incidents. Wow. This from NPR. A database of reports of UFOs now includes about 400 incidents, up from 143 assessed in a report released about a year ago. A Navy intelligence official told lawmakers at a congressional hearing. Now, this was back on May 17th. There's a lot of crap going on in the world right now, so it was easy to sweep under the rug. Yeah, it was easy to miss, but we had that congressional hearing, as Stephen Bassett said we would, on UFOs now 400 incidents that's directly from the freaking navy joe that's insane (laughs) is that wild that's insane (laughs) like i mean he said big things are coming Mm -hmm. and you know all right whatever now the president hasn't acknowledged he he said what would what would be the the fruit of all this like what would come to bear uh so we had the congressional hearing that's legit and actually you can go uh, if you check out this NPR article, mm-hmm. they have literally the subcommittee hearing. Uh, it's called Open C3 from the legit like congressional seal on that stuff. So this is like, yeah, this is crazy, man. Wow. ET might be out there. We'll see. Wow. So just real quick to wrap on that story. Reports of unidentified flying objects now called unexplained aerial phenomena. UAPs. <laughs> UAPs. Also, we learned that. From Stephen Bassett. (laughs) Stephen Bassett. He cited improved sensors, uh, an increase in drones and other non-military unmanned aerial systems and aerial clutter such as Mylar balloons as causes for the uptick. Uh, Let me just find out who sourced that. None of the documented objects had... Okay, here. Military's 2020 run report said no evidence of aliens had been found. Okay, so no ET yet. Scott W. Bray, the Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence, told lawmakers they still haven't uncovered anything non-terrestrial in origin, even though there are incidents that they can't explain. None of the documented objects had attempted to communicate with U.S. aviators, and no attempt had been made to communicate with them, he said, as he appeared. So that's Scott Bray. He is the Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence testifying there. Uh, incidents in the 2021 report, uh, they date back as uh, as far back as 2004, based on both sensor data and observations by military aviators. Many of the latest entries do not have sensor data. They're from people coming forward with older stories that they said chose not to report it at the time. That's the evidence that the military drive to... That's the the evidence that the military's drive to destigmatize such reports is working. Um... Yeah, so that's that's another thing. We're not seeing as much pushback officially from the U.S. government. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's because they can't agree on anything, <laughs> uh, but but they're trying to, like, if you do have a story, they're not just saying, look at this crazy person. Go watch the X-Files. Nope. Yeah, nope. They, uh, they want you to come forward. So very cool. Very cool development. Joe. Very, very cool development. Yep. And then I got a news story here yeah. that we, uh, you texted me and we were like, oh, we got to read that on the show. <laughs> uh, a town that we have both been to, but never together. We, yes. We've gone there separately, mm-hmm. but equally. <laughs> <laughs> Separate, but equal. 
regarding <laughs> Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Cool town. If you ever get a chance to go up there, definitely worth checking it out. Uh, just remember, if you go up there in the fall, it's uh, price is going to be jacked up because that's the height of the season. But it's actually right near the coast, so it's actually beautiful mm-hmm. in the summer. I was there in um, late July, early August, yes. and it was it was just a gorgeous town, very walkable. Couldn't recommend it enough. There's more to it than just the witches, but hey, this article is about the witches. Oh, baby. <laughs> so it took more than three centuries, but the last Salem witch who wasn't has been officially pardoned. Massachusetts lawmakers on Thursday formally exonerated Elizabeth Johnson Jr. Ooh. Interesting, a woman with a junior. <laughs> okay. Clearing her name 329 years after she was convicted of witchcraft in 1693 and sentenced to death at the height of the Salem witch trials. Johnson was never executed, but neither was she officially pardoned like others wrongly accused of witchcraft. Lawmakers agreed to reconsider her case last year after a curious eighth grade civics class at North Andover Middle School took up her cause and researched the legislative steps needed to clear her name. So that's kind of like a cute thing where it's like kids got interested. Yes. And because it's like this is I mean, this is nothing. But it's something. Yep. And it's something for those kids to have for, you know, the rest of their days. Let's take a look here a little further. Subsequent legislation introduced by State Senator Diana DiZoglio, a Democrat from Methuen, was tacked onto a budget bill and approved. <laughs> okay. Uh, we will never be able to change what happened to victims like Elizabeth. But at the very least, we can set the record straight, <laughs> DiZoglio. Zaglio said in a statement, North Andover teacher Carrie Lapierre, whose students championed the legislation, praised the youngsters for taking on the long overlooked issue of justice for this long wrongly convicted woman. Yeah. Great job, kids. Pretty it's cool. more important. That's like, yeah, they're, they're getting interested in because those witch trials, I think they capture everybody's curiosity. Thanks. So. It's like the witches imagine, like, you know, I mean, with the hocus pocus fandom, what else do we have? Like. I just I think that both the real stories and the stories that have been born into legend, uh, the fictional stories, everything that we kind of have about the Salem witch trials, even up to uh, I mean, this was a story. It was called The Witch, right? By Robert Eggers, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, It's something that has fascinated the American mind Mm -hmm. uh, for as as long as I've been alive. I've always whether we read about it for reals. In school and had, you know, read the crucible, different yeah. things like that, or all the stuff that's kind of floated out there on the screen, like the hocus pocus, the witch, all that fun stuff. I the think craft. this is the craft. I think that this is something that literally grabs everyone's attention. Um, and yeah, uh, one thing that I, when I did go up there for the first time in Salem, uh, there are people who speak passionately to what happened. Yeah. There. Um, there are a lot of people up there in Salem, Mass, that are angry that the bewitched statue is more photographed and more people are more <laughs> curious about that than they are what really happened in Salem, Massachusetts. Yeah. So when I see stories like that break, that yes, like finally one witch has been exonerated, it's easy to forget because it was a very, very long time ago just like how unjust all that was. Yeah. So, so that's a good story. Yeah, it's a good story. It's a it's a great, great small town, like small town to walk through, yeah. especially if you're a fan of like me who loves colonial America. Um, you know, I just I feel there's something special when you're walking on, like those old bricks. Yeah. Um, and you get that pretty much all 
you know, we're in Philadelphia, so mm-hmm. we have our old city where you get that. You know, maybe when I go to Baltimore, if you know, check out the Edgar Allan Poe House, which isn't that on all that, but hey, you know, can walk around. Yeah. You know, Fells Point, which has the old cobblestones, and then of course Boston and most of Massachusetts. Even Richmond, Virginia has it, which is so like yeah. some really great stuff out there. But yeah, definitely worth the trip if you're ever curious about Salem. I would highly recommend it. Probably going back up there at some point. Yeah, uh, we were gonna try twenty two but but we also so we have a lot of things on the docket. We are gonna get the second chance cinema. That's happening, it's all oh, in yeah. the works. Uh we're gonna try and watch something in the basement, that's all in the works. Uh the short film. Not in the works, but we got to put it up there. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think Salem 2022, we were trying to yeah. do something, rope in like a Sox game or something. I don't know. We haven't haven't fully fleshed it all out yet, but we're trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we will both be in New England in October. Does Vermont count as New England? I guess it does. Yeah. 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 Just because they, they don't, they're not near the shore. I think that. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> no. But, but, uh, but anyway, uh, did you want one more news story? Or you want to cap it? I think we got time for one more. All right, one more. Ready? Joe, dig out those old VHS tapes. This from Fox Business. Those old VHS tapes could be worth a small fortune. Quote, rarity and nostalgia. You ready for this? Yep. All right. Well, June 7th, that was National VCR Day. Didn't know they had that. There's a day for everything. There's a day now. for everything. Yeah. yeah. So, yep, you read that right. Video cassette recorders are still around, and there are enough of them to justify a spot on the National Day calendar. The National Day marketing uh, marketing calendar under digital media company Zuvio. While most people have retired their VCRs, not everyone has gotten rid of these devices or the VHS tapes that worked with these physical video players. Some might even be holding on to the retro, Steve Feast, pay attention, (laughs) the retro gadgets after seeing that a sealed mint condition Star Wars VHS tape from 1977 sold for $57,600, and that was in New Jersey. So that Star Wars, obviously, I can, uh, mint condition, unopened Star Wars thing, okay, I can see that being... A lot. I could. I would have imagined. I would. If I was guessing, I would have guessed more than more than that. So you're right. Not shocked in this story so far as to what. Like, of course, a Star Not Wars. Se- yeah. yeah. But right. it's sealed. Yes. So let's see where 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 else this goes. If you have a collection of limited edition or unopened VHS tapes, you could be in ownership of a small fortune. Quote: Most VHS tapes aren't worth that much money and will sell for only a few dollars. That's Baruch Lebunsky, the CEO of Rank Secure a Toronto-based digital analytics firm. He told Fox Business, quote, rarity and nostalgia are what makes some VHS tapes valuable. An original Star Wars tape can fetch $3,500 if it's in a sealed package. Ready for this? A three-piece Halloween movie set can bring in $500. So if you have a three-piece Halloween set, you want to make a quick $500, now's the time to do it. You know what? The VHS is a much better shelf-looking collectible compared to, like, DVD or Blu-ray. It really is. Just It's just wider enough mm-hmm. that it's more aesthetically pleasing than, like, the sleeves of a DVD. Plus, I think you and I talked about this before. You and I were big into renting movies before the DVDs were even really a thing. So that box art was everything. Yeah, that like like think of that movie Jack Frost sucks, but it has a really cool freaking oh yeah uh, the box pulls you in <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so you're right. No, it, it has an. It looks nice on a shelf. You see a bunch of VHS tapes. You're like, oh, ooh, something about it. Mm-hmm. Catch it. It's. I feel it's a little more nicer to look at. Yep. So a lot has been made of the Walt Disney Home Video releases from 1981. The Black Diamond editions bring in the most money, most ranging between $50 and $300. So if you have those Black Diamond editions of uh, the Walt Disney movies, check it out. You could make a cool $300 or $50. Lubunsky added that opened and unused VHS tapes tend to have the value tend to have their value dramatically lowered. Most tapes are sold on eBay. Looking at recent sales of Disney classics, the price range was $20 to $316. Cult classic VHS movie prices ranged from $35 to $200. At the time of publication, Golden Auctions has a dozen VHS tapes that have a current bid of at least $1,000. So um, just some of these titles real quick, and then we can move on from this story. Star Wars. 1977 and 1984, the VHS tapes. The Blues Brothers from 1980, The Empire Strikes Back from 84, yeah. Alien 1984, Batman 1989, Coming to America 1990, Double Impact from 91, Batman Forever. Well, there you go, your favorite, Joel <laughs> Schumacher from 95, uh, Jurassic Park, Happy Gilmore, and Blade. Interesting. So. I mean, I had a lot of those, but they were definitely all open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what's really fascinating is the home video release timeline. Yeah. Because like Empire Strikes Back came out in 1979. Oh my gosh, did it? Or 1980. Wow. And that tape release, 84. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember, so my mom's a, a Disney nut. She, okay. loves, she loves everything Disney. And one of the things, and we don't realize when we were a kid, so in the early ni- late eighties, early nineties, they went through their uh, a rebuild, huh? And one of that thing was releasing movies on VHS that were from like our parents' childhood that were never really released on video. Hmm. So that's why like the Jungle Book had like a huge launch with like McDonald's toys and stuff like that. Oh, it was okay. never really in theaters. But it right. was like to get people, it's just like, hey, for the first time on home video <laughs> Dis- from the Disney vault is what mm-hmm. they call it. So it was a big, big push. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll round out this story, Joe, just because it's it's relevant here. If you have any of these four VHS tapes that are leading the heritage auction VHS tape lot. Ready? Mm-hmm. Back to the future. Current bid of $20,000. The Star Wars tape. From 1984, current bid of $17,000. First Blood in Rambo, 1982. They drew First Blood. <laughs> current bid of $12,000. And Jaws. There it is. The tape from 1983, current bid of $10,500. So with that, if that's our last news story, I just want to tell you, hey, Steve Feast, are you paying attention there, buddy? <laughs> Definitely take a look through those VHS tapes, but also uh, Red River Horror listeners, if you go to KeystoneRetro.com yeah. and you put in Red River at checkout, you get 10% off. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely find, you. there's got to be like one of those, something like at flea markets and stuff like that. Yep. So you never know what you're going to be able to find. Huh. You've always known more about the collector's things than I did. I was always just like, I got it. I'm opening it. 
<laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, well, your dad was always great you know, with the mm-hmm. ham radios, and he had some things that he was collecting. It's like, this is going to be worth something someday. Yep. And uh, it was. It, yes. <laughs> so Yeah, he he cleaned <laughs> up. There was like yeah. about a decade ago, he just started listing a lot of stuff on, on eBay, and I looked at the, the uh, I mean, he shared, I didn't look in his account, but he, he shared, uh, he racked up like $3,500 selling stuff. Yeah. It's like a down payment on a car. I'm like, wow, man. Yeah. He's, the, <laughs> those interests, like, that seem like they're gone. No, it's like they've gotten bigger than ever. I mean, your dad was pretty much ahead of his time. If, like, the technology was around, he probably would have been able to capitalize more on the thrifting and yep. reselling. Yeah. Well, there's still plenty of time. Yeah, so. no, there is. I want to show some stuff that I have to uh, Steve Feast. I, uh, um, he's been a great resource. Yeah, I have some video games. I do have some sealed VHS tapes. I'm not going to say what they are just because I don't want to get robbed. Um, <laughs> crazy time in Philly right now. But anyway, throw them up on auction. See what's up. Yeah. So we had we had a. Uh, a Salem witch exonerated. We have confirmation from the Navy of UAPs, UAPs, not UFOs, and some really expensive, valuable VHS tapes. I think that's all we got in Red River Horror news for this week, Joe. It sure is, Ed. That covers the news for Red River Horror, you know. <laughs> As we're coming to a close, please remember to send suggestions. You can send to us on Twitter, Instagram, at Red River Horror, uh, at Red River Horror, Red River Horror at gmail.com. Uh, hey, if you're if you're a regular listener and you even want to jump on for give it a shot, let mm-hmm. us know. Uh, of course, you can find me at Red River Joe. Any, anything else to add? Uh, no, just like, subscribe, uh, go onto our YouTube channel, give us a subscribe, put the little bell, Spotify, like, give us a review, subscribe and follow there, and Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. If you could g- give us a little subscription there, because so you always know when Joe and I have returned for another great rendition yeah, yeah. of the Red River Horror Podcast. <laughs> tappa, tappa, tappa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, when I was a kid, we didn't even have Tappa 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 Joe. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been Red River Horror, episode number 81 of the Red River Horror Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to keep traveling those channels of fear. <laughs>